Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on this series we're doing called Interacting Well. We've been doing this for quite a while now, uh, and uh, this series has been about being salt and light, um, and we've been looking at interacting well in the world around us, and we've, we've said, you know, it's, it's about our, our um, interacting with God and with others, and we've, we've talked about loving God all in and loving our neighbors ourselves. and over this last little few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus and His interactions with people so we can learn from Him, and uh, we've looked at a variety of those things. Last week... We, we looked at um, Jesus' interaction with his disciples at the Last Supper, and I said we were going to do it again this week, and we are, and I, I hope you've been thinking about that and what that would be like and how amazing that whole um, uh, dinner was, that supper was that they were celebrating together. We looked at the foot washing last week, and, and Jesus taught the disciples in that foot washing that, that the, the way they would experience life now and forever, a blessed life, the kind of life that people are searching for is by being a servant. And, and it's in following Jesus and, and loving God all in, loving our neighbors ourselves, that we find life now. And he demonstrated that with the foot washing. Today we're going to look at something different that takes place during the Passover. And I, I hope that um, uh, it, it will impact you. And, and we're going to look at how our relationship with Jesus um, goes uh, not only in the, in the now, but the forever component of what's taking place. And all of this will prepare us for the big celebration next weekend. Before we do, I just had a few thoughts, because everybody wants a few thoughts before I jump from one thing to the next. This was the thought. How is it we put a man on the moon before we figured out it would be a good idea to put um, wheels on suitcases? Did you ever wonder? Do you remember, I remember, do you remember hauling suitcases around? Oh, oh, never mind. Another weird thought. Why do people pay to go up to tall buildings and then pay to put money in binoculars to look at things down back on the ground? You ever wondered? When you're already there? No? Nothing? Okay. Just a thought. I wrote, I wrote a song about a, about a tortilla. Well, actually, it was more of a rap. Yeah, no. Scripture reading. I, I cannot rap. See? John 14, 1 through 3. This is out of the message paraphrase. We'll dig into it in the NIV in a minute. Don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There's plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. Jesus is talking to his disciples about going to prepare a place for them. And this happens after this, this thing that takes place at the Passover meal that I want to talk about today. Now, Passover, just to give you some history to make sure we're, we know what we're talking about. Um, Passover was a feast that was celebrated by the people every year as a reminder of what took place when they were set free from 430 years of slavery in Egypt. And this reminder was in the form of a meal that had many symbols involved. And the symbols really had two purposes. One purpose was to help them remember how God had delivered them from slavery and how God had used uh, Moses. God used Moses in, in, a, in a series of plagues uh, to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. And, and Pharaoh was very stubborn, had a very hard heart, and it took ten plagues to make this happen. And, and the tenth and final plague was called the death of the firstborn. Israel was protected by this plague 
by, um, they took a lamb into their home at a certain time and, and then this lamb was, was sacrificed on their behalf. They took the blood of the lamb and they put it on the doorposts of the house they were in, the people of Israel did. And when the angel of death came, he passed over the houses where the blood of the lamb was and they were protected. Um, this wasn't the case for the people of Israel and um, people of Egypt and Pharaoh said, just get out of here and go. And so the people of Israel were set free. But the, the thing they were remembering is that those who were sort of covered in the blood of the Lamb were passed over and protected and made safe. The other purpose of the feast, and there's actually seven feasts that the people of Israel were commanded to partake and remember every year. The, the other purpose of the feast was to help them recognize the Messiah when he came because he was going to be depicted in everything that was taking place in this Passover meal. Because um, Jesus would come as Messiah and, and give us the ultimate deliverance um, from the ultimate slavery of death and, 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 and sin. And He is the Lamb of God who takes away our sin and His blood cleanses us and sets us free from the penalty of death so we're passed over and so we can experience eternal life with Him. And so um, this, this whole meal was pointing to, it was a reminder of how God had set them free, but it was a pointer to how they were going to be set free from, from death into life. And it's also in this meal that we take our symbols for communion. And, and there's two very powerful symbols that we use that I want to talk about today and that you'll sort of see and that we do every week and we do that on purpose. Um, we, we celebrate communion here every week in the same way um, so that these things sort of become a part of who we are. Just like they were celebrating the feast every year, it became a part and, and this process was to help them to remember and to recognize Jesus when he came. So two very important things, two symbols. One of them is the bread. The first point in your notes talks about the bread. And um, when Jesus broke the unleavened bread in the Passover meal, he says this, Matthew 26, 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. In John six thirty five, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So what's happening is, Jesus is inserting himself into this meal, so the disciples, the, the lights and the bells and the whistles can start to go off because he's putting himself into this meal that they've celebrated and has been celebrated year after year after year after year by the people of Israel. Now, there's, a, there's a, some neat stuff in the Passover tradition. One of the things is that the bread that was used in this uh, celebration was kept in a little thing, and this is one of them. It's called a matzah Pretty interesting little thing. And uh, this one's actually from Israel, so I have it here. Um, and and uh, you can get them here too, but when people go to Israel, I always have them buy them for me and bring them back. Um, Matzotash. Now, the neat thing about this is it's separated into three components. And threes are always very interesting. Um, you know, the, the Jews would be looking at the patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When we see threes uh, from this side of the cross, we think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Both are very cool. Um, when the Jews looked at it, the piece of the middle bread would have represented Isaac. Remember, Isaac was the miraculous child um, that was born, who was born to be sacrificed and was taken through all that whole process. Some really neat symbols. But we know that um, his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the bread that would be broken during this meal, at that point in the meal, the Passover celebration, would be this piece that came out of the middle. It would be the sun. And Jesus is saying, I'm that piece. I'm the bread. He's making that happen. The bread would be broken. And now here's another neat thing that would happen. Part of this bread was then shared as part of the meal. The other half they did something else with in the Passover tradition. 
And what they would do with the other half is it was taken and it was wrapped in a piece of white linen. And this part was called the afikomen. It's kind of a a Jewish word for dessert sort of, but anyway. They would wrap this piece in a white linen and then they would have the children leave the room and then the, the person leading the Passover celebration would hide this one. Wrapped in a white linen, broken bread, wrapped in a white linen. The children would come back in and it would be on them to find it. It was like a big game. They would come and find it. And whoever found the afikomen got a prize. Now, it's a very, very cool thing. If you think about it, um, it should start to remind you of some stuff that happened. When Jesus' broken body is taken down from the cross, it's wrapped in white linen, and it's hidden away in a tomb. Now, whoever finds it gets a prize. Prize is life, everlasting. It's a picture of everything that was happening in the meal so they could start to make connections. Communion's a picture of things that are taking place so we remember what he's done and we know what he's up to and that he's coming back for us soon. So that's all happening with the bread. Now, the second thing in your notes is the cups. And, and you'll notice whenever we celebrate communion, there's a bunch of cups out there. And uh, the cups each have significance in the Passover meal. And let me tell you about those just briefly. The first cup, letter A in your notes, is the cup of sanctification. And so this, core, this one would be poured and celebrated around the table. And in this cup, God is saying to his people, I will bring you out. And he brings us out of bondage, slavery, darkness, and death. The cup of sanctification. Then the cup of plagues. That's a little little B. Is poured and celebrated in the meal. And um, the cup of plagues... Um, starts a um, retelling of the redemption story and actually this part of the service is known as the telling and the leader of the meal would would then um, tell the story the entire redemption drama from the patriarchs to Moses to Pharaoh to the plagues and the deliverance from Egypt this would be a part of the meal so the people would just know this story because it was being spoken into them all the time about how amazing God was in the deliverance of that they get to the third cup in the meal, and you'll hear us every time we say it, there's a cup of redemption. Now, with this cup, Jesus institutes what we know as communion. But he's doing something different in this part of the feast, and things change a little bit here from the norm. And the, the disciples would have recognized it because they, they see the imagery he begins to use as they're part of it. He's taking things now a little different path than they were used to in the Passover meal. So let's talk about what he does in the process. All right. Back in first century uh, Judea, uh, if you would, when a young man was um, um, ready to, to be married, you know, he would, he would um, spy out a lot of times the, the, the woman who he was attracted to and think, you know, she's the one for me, whatever. And uh, uh, he would, he would um, speak to his parents and uh, his parents would speak to her parents and the fathers would get together and they would, uh, in effect, negotiate what was called a bride price at the time. And uh, because it was a big deal for uh, a family to give up their their precious daughter into this other home because, you know, the son was going to stay with the family in effect, but the daughter was was changing. It was a big deal. And so um, they had had this negotiation, um, which was, was called the bride price, and it was negotiated. And it was negotiated between the fathers. And when they came up with something suitable, they, okay, they had a deal. Now, they had a deal. 
the bride still had a, it's really cool, the bride had a choice in this. She wasn't forced into anything, which is really good. Um, she, she had a choice. And what would happen next is after the, the parents had worked out a deal, the groom, the prospective groom would come to the bride's uh, home and he would come bearing a cup and a flask of wine. And he would, from his own flask and his own cup, pour some wine into the cup and he would take a drink from it and he would set it down on the table in the middle of the room. Just boom, right there in the middle of the room. The prospective bride had two options. She could either make small chat and then sort of, you know, walk out of the room and not drink from the glass. And that meant she didn't, she wasn't in. And that was respected. That was just the way it was. However, if she thought, you know, and her intuition said, this is good, you know, this is God for me, she would pick up from the glass and she would drink from it and set it back down. From that moment on, she was considered as, she was referred to as one who was bought with a price. It's not derogatory, it's a very special thing. And, and, uh, and it distinguished her as an engaged woman. What Jesus does in the communion meal at this point, in the Passover meal, is he's changing it from the regular Passover. And Luke 22 says this way, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, this cup of redemption, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He is, in effect, using the imagery of a a ceremony that his guys would have known. And he's, he's in effect, um, using a, a marriage proposal at this point in the meal. And, and they would have begun to grasp. Remember, he's just washed their feet. And he's been telling them about it, how, how much he loved for them and that he was making a covenant with them that he was willing to give his life for them. In effect, he's saying, I, I will love you as my bride, so I'll pay the bride price. I'll give up my life for you. I'm going to go to the Father's house and prepare a place for you. He's using imagery to make the, the analogy of his love for his church, the disciples represent the church. And when the disciples pick up from that cup and drink from it, they're saying yes to the whole thing on our behalf. And every time we take communion, guess what we're saying to Jesus? Yes. And we know that he's coming back for us soon, but he's gone to prepare a place for us. John 14, 1 through 3. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me Um, that you may also be where I am. So he's gone to make a place for us. Now, um, remember, he he was going to go first through the cross, and he was going to pay the bride price. That's what he does at the cross. He pays the bride price for us. And then he goes to prepare a place for us. Now, also in first century Jerusalem, Judea, um, the families lived together in what was called insulates, sort of a group thing where they built around a common courtyard and the family home would build and then families, uh, the, the, the sons all stayed there as part of the family and they would just add on to the family property every time that one of them was married and had family. And so all, all sorts of the family would live in this same sort of area together in this insula. And so it was up to the son after he had proposed to a wife and it had been accepted and paid the bride price um, that, that he was going to go and prepare a place for his bride. So he would rush home. Now, it was the father who determined when the house was ready for the bride because of the, son's, um, the son was ready to be, have his wife with him all the time. And like I said, I kind of jokingly say this, he would have rushed home, thrown down his, you know, his knapsack or whatever and his, his, his bedroll and said, okay, we're ready. And the father's like, no, 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 you've got to make it right. You've got to build it right. 
And so the son would begin to construct for him and his new bride a place for them to live, and it would be done right. And it was the father who would say, okay, it's good, you can go and get your bride. Now, prophetically, listen, when when Jesus describes his second coming, when he's coming back for us, he uses this same imagery. Matthew 24, 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. No one knows, only the father. Why? Because he's the one that says, okay, it's time to go and get your bride. And then when he finally got permission to go and get his bride, um, he would travel to the bride's village and blow the shofar at, at trumpet sound. And the, wide, the bride would know that her wedding day had come. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. That's what we're waiting on. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive or left. We'll be caught up together when the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. So all imagery, all this is happening. Jesus has come. He paid the bride price at the cross. He's gone to prepare a place for us. We're waiting for him to come back for us. It's what we celebrate all the time. On our table, you'll notice, if you ever look, there's a fourth cup. It's always there. We never fill it. It just sits there. It sits empty. You think, oh, I wonder what the fourth cup is. The fourth cup is for, we believe it's for the wedding feast. People have different ideas about this cup, but here's why we leave it empty. Matthew 26, 29. I tell you, this is Jesus saying, I will not drink of this fruit of this vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This one we drink with Jesus at the wedding feast with the Lamb. We, we, we accepted his proposal. We do every time that we drink the third one. We're waiting on this one until he comes back for us. Revelation 19, 7 through 9. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linens, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Jesus is the bridegroom. We're his bride. We, we're to prepare for his return by loving God all in and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Last week, the foot washing was a picture of the blessed life that we can have now by serving, by loving, by by following after Him. This celebration of communion and and the, the proposal and everything is about the promise of life everlasting. And He's letting us know that that life is found all in in Him now and forever. And and. All of that needs to be in your minds as you approach this next week, as we celebrate all week long. We celebrate all the time, but this week in particular, the amazing events of the Last Supper and what Jesus did of the proposal, of the willingness to pay the bride price at the cross, that he defeats death and rises again. And and we celebrate the resurrection, and now he's interceding for us. He's gone to prepare a place for us, and we know that one day soon he's coming back for us. That's the amazing, amazing Jesus that we live for and with throughout our eternity. And so think about that and remember that this week as you go through this amazing week um, remembering and celebrating the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where I'm going to stop it for today. If you're watching on television, thank you, or on video, we appreciate you and your time. Thank you for spending it with us, um, and uh, we hope to see you soon. If you need prayer, go to the website and we'll pray for you. Ministry teams, those are here, why don't you head over to the wall? And uh, the people on the way over the wall are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything today, they'll make sure you get it. But let me pray for you as we.